This is the Go Maluku Podcast. Um, so this is tea time um, with myself. I'm Gazale Horella. I'm from Maluku. If you don't know where it is, it's uh, 999 islands between the Philippines and Australia. Uh, Two million Indian people living on those islands. Um, and I'm a product of one of them. Uh, and I've been working at the UN with Indian peoples in the Indian movement uh, for the Alifuru people, which is my Indian affiliation uh, for... I think almost 18 years now and made a lot of friends and grew into the movement. And um, yeah, so when the whole COVID-19 thing started happening, we were all like in in, in organizing mode uh, because like permanent forum was about to happen and like the whole political year, expert mechanism. Uh, climate change meetings were all scheduled. Um, I was in a meeting on oceans when all this, we all went into lockdown and I wanted to stay in touch with everyone and to try to find out how they were doing. And everyone um, asked me like, um, I want to know what these people in the rest of the world are, how they are doing. Um, Cause like we're all in lockdown and all in our social, in a bubble and we had to like uh, deploy social distancing. I figured like, Hey, um, maybe I should like host like uh, conference calls or Zoom calls. So that's what I did. I hosted Zoom calls and we figured, and this, this actually, this um, topic that we're going to discuss today, uh, human rights and rule of law in a national context and the, the implications of COVID-19 on the rights of these peoples is something that was one of the first things that was brought up and actually, one of the guests on this show, uh, today's show, was the person that brought it up, Tom Skinner from Aotearoa, New Zealand, and and some other um, um, topics that we wanted to discuss further. But like it was a two-hour conversation that we had, and uh, yeah, we just didn't have enough time, so we decided to. Well, I decided to have like uh, dedicated calls on or dedicated dedicated conversations. With the, on these these topics and allow other Indian peoples and non-Indian peoples um, to to uh, participate in that in that discussion. So this is all new to me. Um, as you might have seen yesterday, yesterday was a good session. We talked about the implication of COVID nineteen on inter international processes. And today I'm joined by um, not the least persons. Here we go, and boom, Kenneth as well. So we got Charles Kinder from Aotearoa, uh, Joshua Bet from uh, from Panama, and Kenneth. Um, he, I asked him to to be on the on the show for like probably like last minute. So he's probably like still had to like wash his face and comb his hair, um, just like I did, just like I had to. Um, so thank you so much for Kenneth for like <laughs> um, show um, being part of this at a, at a last minute notice. Um, yeah, so this is like a normal couch conversation, nothing too fancy, just speak, speak your thoughts. And I would, the people that are watching either through YouTube or Facebook, um, just, you can right now start typing in where you're from, where you're watching from. Um, and yeah, I'm, yes, Charm is having a cup of coffee. I'm having a cup of tea and just show us 
that you're having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee as well or water, whatever you want to do. Um, so it is a very, um, it should be a very interactive conversation and not just the four of us or the five of us. Agnes will be uh, joining us as well. Uh, but it's like a five of us conversation. That's not it. Like it, it is a, a global conversation. Um, so I think I've spoken way, way, way too much right now um, because there are at least three people on the screen that have a lot. And they're much more interesting than I am. So please, um, yeah, Charm, maybe you'd like to introduce yourself because I can do it, but that would, wouldn't do it any justice. So Charm, go ahead. Kia ora, everyone. Um, my name's Charm Skinner. I'm from Aotearoa. Uh, last year, I had the privilege of being one of the 35 Indigenous Fellows with the OHCHR. And um, I'm in my final year of university at Auckland Law School. Um, a bit about me before we start talking. So, um, you know, I come from a pretty stereotypical kind of family where a lot of the colonialization that's happened in our country has really badly affected my family. So everything that I do now is to ensure that, you know, future kids like myself don't have to go through those kinds of things. So like my whole education has been wanting to make things better for our people. And so last year I was really kind of got, it's like my first time at the UN and it was, it was a time, a lot of learning. But now I realised how important it is for me as a Māori in New Zealand. I live in a first world country and I can get up on an international world stage and talk and I won't be prosecuted or harmed like my other brothers and sisters around the world. So I guess that kind of leads me to where I want to start is I think one thing that we have to be very mindful of during this time is while we're all in this pandemic with how do we help our families and so forth, we need to make sure that we're tracking what states and governments are passing under the radar. Because while we are consumed and looking after our people, there are going to be agendas that are still being pushed forward. And, you know, that goes back to our human rights being breached. When we're so caught up in trying to, you know, stop more harm from happening, it's us who are still going to be affected in other ways. So um, I really think I wanted to start the conversation with, again, talking about when there's future decision-making processes that are going to happen after this, we as, an, as, as Indigenous people need to be at the centre stage making all of those decisions. Like None of what I'm saying is new to anybody, but I think given the current climate that we're going through at the moment in the world, this is our time to really push. Um, and I think one of the action points that I really want to hone in on is, you know, we have all of these experts around the world in different fields. Um, you know, we've got our people on the ground who can best tell states and governments what's happening. And with, this is a time where we really need to pull that all together now to make an impact because this kind of time period isn't going to come around again but we all know that it's our people who will be hit hard after this so I think for me what I wanted to talk about today is um, really ensuring that we're thinking about steps forward after this pandemic is over we need to start um, seriously thinking about it because it's something that I worry about you know for all of us around the world so open to court it all with everybody I know I'm a newbie in this world but you know I'm learning. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Charm. And also thank you for like outlining like what your expectations are. 
and what you're what, what you would like to get out of this conversation because that is a very good way of honing the talk that we have uh, at this point um kenneth uh, were you able to comb your hair and wash your face uh or do you need a little bit more time maybe <laughs> that's me asking the few yeah, but yeah introduce yourself please to the people that the few people that don't know you here am i can you hear me yeah great okay all right this is the first time on this platform so i'm not sure how it works and well thank you ghazali for inviting me and uh and i felt sorry for you so i accepted the invitation <laughs> thank you so much and, uh, okay um my name is uh uh, uh, uh kenneth deer my, my name and my language is uh Jahayandu, or a mohawk and my community is uh Ganawage, which is in um Canada, I'm in, uh, within the borders of uh, Quebec. Mohawks are on both sides of the border, both in Canada and, and the United States. We're part of the, uh, are part of the uh, what's known as the Iroquois Confederacy or the Six Nations Confederacey, and we call ourselves the, the Haudenosaunee, which means uh, people of the Longhouse. And um, uh, you know, I've been kicking around the, the, the United Nations for a few decades now. And I uh, met Ghazali out there, and I probably met um, this other young lady that spoke. I probably probably met at the uh, at at the Amrip in the in the summer, or maybe even at the um, at the Human Rights Council. So anyway, uh, it's nice to see you, and I I always like to hear young young people uh, speak and also follow through on uh, the training and uh, the experience that they received in, uh, in in Geneva. So it's nice nice to see them, and and uh, you know the, we in my trial over the years I've seen a number of people who started out there as a fellow and then continue on their, their, their work. And, uh, and uh, it's nice to see them to, uh, you know, carry on and not just uh, fade away into the sun uh, to do someday soon. <laughs> uh, so uh, with this phone call, though, I, uh, you know, we were talking, I think the objective of this is to, is to talk about the, uh, I guess, the, um, the rule of law and, uh, and what's happening with the, uh, Indigenous peoples uh, during this uh, and there are dangers uh, that we can see besides the obvious ones about through our health and well-being, but also we see the uh, uh, states, um, some states trying to take advantage of the situation and pushing through, uh, uh, in particular, uh, extractive industries, uh, you know, pipelines and, and uh, oil extraction are, are, are continuing and, uh, and uh, unabated, whereas uh, in many uh, places, uh, you know, they're supposed to be uh, social distancing and they're supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, businesses are supposed to be shut down and closed. However, uh, that doesn't seem to apply to industries that are uh, continuing to extract uh, um, uh, natural resources from our from our territories and also or pushing through pipelines. So we have, um, you know, there is a problem here because what we, the uh, COVID-19, our people can't be out there protesting, you know. Uh, in large groups, uh, you get arrested <laughs> for one thing. Secondly, is uh, you'll get uh, you know you're you're endangering uh, uh, each other uh, should should any one of us be be infected and and, and spreading it un unknowingly. So uh, we have um, you know um, we are seems to be handicapped. It, it seems like uh, in ordinary times we have one hand tied behind our back, and right now it looks like we have two hands tied behind our back. Yeah. So uh, when when we can't one of the only things we can do is protest, and yet we we we're not we can't even do that in this uh, in, in the condition the world is in right now. 
So uh, when it comes down to uh, the rule of law and and the uh, the the struggles that Indigenous people have, uh, we're we're it's we're, we're not we're in a difficult situation in uh, in this in, in this particular uh, pandemic. So I'll leave it like that for now. No, thanks thanks so much, Kenneth. I'm sure that we'll come back to, uh, to everything that you said as well. Um, Jokovet, um please introduce yourself to everyone and how are things over there in in uh, in Panama? Hello, everyone. My name is Jokabet. I am Jokabet from Panama, from Cuna Dule people. We are from the Caribbean Sea. We uh, we have around three sixty five islands, and then my people. We have people in Panama and Colombia. And uh, nice to meet you. I'm working with indigenous community. I am Kuna people. We want to compile, record, and write the history and memory about our ancestors, how we resisted in many centuries. And then I am very happy to be here because we want to chat about what happened with our people, uh, what we are doing in this moment with the pandemic. Uh, it's only you know my this is not my no it's not my second language for that reason my English is not really good but I try to speak if you don't understand me you tell me I can speak slowly. Nice to meet you. Oh, thank you so thank you so much, uh, Hokabed. Um, of of course I've already been quite been getting questions actually. But why is this show not in Spanish? Um, French and or Russian. Like I've been only like in one episode in, and already people are asking why this is not in, in all and in, in all UN languages or the language that these people understand. Um, um, yeah, well, my Spanish is is not as good as I want it to be. Um, maybe I can order a beer in a in a in a bar and maybe and that that's probably it. Um, but definitely, and there's some people actually that. Um, are very keen to to participate in this conversation. Um, thank you so much for Hokabet uh, for um, for yeah participating in, in this in this um, conversation because I think it's very important that that these people around the world know that it is not they're not alone in the in this and that there's uh, there's that we are communicating um, between regions and between peoples uh, and also between languages. You know, we try to overcome lang language barriers and. If I or Chorum or Kenneth are speaking way too fast, um, just say so, and we'll slow down a little bit. You know, it is. Um, I, 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 I am notorious, as in like people know me for being a machine gun when I want to talk. Um, so I also have to be very um, aware of slowing down a little bit. So that, I think that's why I call it tea times, so that that I from time to time I just take a zip of tea. So that we can people can actually catch up to what I was saying, if it made any sense or not. Um, so, Hokebe, um, can I kind of stay with you a little, a little bit because you 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 said yeah you wanted to explain about like the situation of your peoples. Um, so I think I think that will be a very kickoff to the conversation about yeah how are how is the situation in the countries. Uh, okay. Yes. Um... I want to talk about the context about my people. The greater ethic of the Kuna people is the common good to live together well. In this end, I would like to uh, share about how we are, uh, how we can do again to the pandemic. 
we have, uh, I want to talk about political, economical, spiritual, and social. In the political, before the Panamanian government will make the decision that all Panama be in quarantine, the Kunadune people began quarantine. Uh, because we understand the importance of lives and we understand the importance to prevent the pandemic is, con is coming to Kunayala. Uh, in the economic, the community began to make product exchange with other communities as part of the ethic that no one lacks uh, and no and nor overdose. It means uh, we need to understand everyone in my community need food, but we need to share. Some people share banana, other people share yuca, guava, and other kinds of fruits. In the spirituality, the, the Kuna community began to take ancestral medicine like in a guided and therapeutic singing was. Uh, and the other thing, the, we pain with sadduris, a medicinal a pain we use for protection, but also for work. Uh, the dance, um, ancestral dance and um, prayers uh, to the creator. For the Guna Dule people, uh, we understand the creator is mother and father. And other rit ritual is called the uh, La Pipa de la Paz, the Pipe of Space. I don't know if that is the pronunciation about the imbalance in the cosmos, how we can to be, uh, sometimes the cosmos has imbalance, we need to equilibrium the cosmos. In the social, is it is often son of the Kuna House Congress. Now we heard the ancestral song we're listening to remind us how we have defend against the conquerors, against the animals, not because the animal is our enemy, but we, we live in, in the in the Caribbean parts, we have a lost mosquito, and we need to uh, to understand better the context geographical to fight with uh, the enemy against our people. And that's remember that we are a people that has resisted many, many centuries ago. But the other thing, uh, the, the health professionals, uh, teachers, and community leaders began to transmit the necessary information about COVID-19 to our people and the prevention and hygienic action that should be taken for our language, the Dule is our language. The young people in the family have been teaching the, to the elderly what is the pandemic means. Uh, in the summary, uh, we try to understand better the context before to talk about prevention or to talk about propo proposal because no, our people is no, we, we, we want to understand better what is our worldview and how we understand the pandemic in our context and what we are doing, because it's very important to, to remember our people uh, living many, many centuries ago around the world and we are fighting and we are resisting and we are still alive and we are here and we need to, uh, to embrace our ritual, our dance, our uh, medicine, our uh, knowledge and then for that reason, I want to share a leader about that. I don't know if you understand what I am trying to say. Uh, great, okay. This is the content previous to talk more about the other things. Oh, appreciate it, thank you so much. And I think I think also goes into something that I would like to cover uh, in this conversation and it, it tags into what, what, what Charm is saying that like the, 
so we were talking about human rights uh, uh, implications, um, but also like like the indigenous rights dimensions, like how and and like the, the COVID response of, of states and how it affects the, the rights of indigenous peoples and what we can do as a international movement in terms of um, yeah making sure that the rights of indigenous peoples are still respected um, during quarantine and lockdown and also post crisis, like like, like uh, Charm already said. Because that I think that will be very important things that we need to discuss as a as a um, as an East peoples as an international indigenous um, uh, indigenous peoples movement. Um, Kenneth, uh, uh, one thing that struck me the most when uh, the president of the United States you know, like called it, did this whole lockdown thing of the borders of the U.S. Um, the first thing that went through my mind was the indigenous peoples that live across borders. For, for example, the Yaqui people in Arizona and Mexico, but also like the, the Haudenosaunee. How how was that? How did uh, um, yeah, like uh, how did that arrive at the uh, in 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 your um, territory? Uh, fortunately, we we had some uh, good communication with the uh, at least of the Canadian government just just before the uh, last year, and um, so we had some uh, contacts already. We, we've already been discussing with Canada about having free access to our homeland, whether we're in Canada or the United States, and uh, so we've already we had uh, some good discussions last year. So so now that the um, uh, the the, uh, the borders are being closed, we already need to. To, uh, to, to talk to, we had somebody to talk to at the Canadian government. So at any time somebody was given any difficulty about, um, um, then we do have, a, a, we, we already had a process in place to, to make sure that our people can, can go, uh, can, can get into Canada. And also going back into the United States, we, we, don't, we don't seem to have any, any kind of problems going back and forth at this time. However, um, uh, like all everybody, like everybody else, in uh, in uh, you you have to have a reason to be going into going from Canada into the United States. You need a reason uh, uh, to to go there. Either you live there, or you're uh, or you have a, a medical appointment, or you have something uh, uh, important. You're not just going for uh, to go shopping, for instance. Um, they they won't they won't let you uh, they they won't let you cross. So there are some there are definitely some some restrictions, but. We're, uh, certainly, we're not being uh, uh, just because we're, we're, we're indigenous. The uh, one of the uh, one of our communities, Aguizasne, uh, is is on both sides of the border. Part of it is in, uh, in the United States, part of it is in Canada, and they have a particular situation. And uh, right now, from what I understand, after a, a little bit of a rough start about two or three weeks ago, I think things are, are going pretty smoothly right now with our people going uh, going uh, back and forth, uh, as long as you live in that community. If you're outside the community, then 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 it's a different matter. It's like all the uh, uh, communities that are locked down uh, uh, everywhere. In, in our community in Ganawagi, which is like thirty miles uh, uh, away from the border, um, you know we're, we've have signs up in, in access roads saying that uh, non-residents are uh, are are not welcome at, at this time. Um, and uh, so we need that. That's necessary for us, and because we you know we don't want infected people from outside the community coming inside and, and infecting our, our, our people. And, um, and it causes some, some issues. Uh, uh, but, uh, however, uh, you know, we've, we've had to, uh, we've had to stop people from coming in 
because they come in here looking. They, they want to shop in our stores, but our stores are just as closed as their stores are. But they mm-hmm. think that because we're Indian Reserve, we think our stores are open, but we're but we're not. So now we our our peacekeepers are are ticketing non non indigenous people coming into our territory, coming into our community, uh, if they're um, you know knocking on doors, knocking on the doors of closed stores, and we have to ticket them. One thousand five hundred dollars a ticket a pop <laughs> into mm-hmm. into our community. So yeah. um, after a few tickets went out, it's been very successful. But the border issue uh, uh, seems to be uh, uh, working itself out uh, uh, very well so far. Uh, for instance, we have uh, uh, in Ganawagi, we have iron workers that work in New York City on high steel, and they they come home on the weekend. And but the, the understanding is that when they do come home, they have to they have to uh, ins- uh, isolate themselves into into their homes until they go back to work. Uh, so that's been working quite effectively. I think uh, a lot of the work has been shut down. So they're not uh, they're not working as, as much, and, and the guys are, are either staying here or they're staying in New York. Uh, but uh, access across the border seems to be going okay, as far as I can tell. Oh, okay, that's good to hear. Um, Charm, back to you. And correct me if I'm wrong, is um, in if you put all the the government government's responses um right next to each other or rank them in in in, way, in one order a lot of people seem very favorable to like who uh prime minister how prime minister arden has been handling the situation like i'm not i'm not very intimate in, like how she did it so please enlighten us in like if um is she doing a good job or like how she's doing and like and yeah and how and like how, if the rights of the the Maori people are still respected in 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 this in a sense. I think what I'm going to say might be a bit controversial to people, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Um, I think overall, the response of my prime minister has been really good. Like our country's been in lockdown now for 19 days, no 20, either of those, and we have kind of shorten the I think the curve or whatever they want to call it but I think that this has been a really good time for our Prime Minister to have potentially spoken up for our Māori and Pacifica communities in New Zealand I mean again while the rest of the world looks at us like we still aren't in most of those decision-making processes that are affecting us like if you look at um, our tangihanga processes at the moment so a tangi is our funeral processes that carry out uh, that are carried out by us and you know we have a lot of the Fano that gather together to mourn and there were sanctions that were put on that and again um, it was kind of like almost like they didn't trust that we could still have our processes and carry out the the two meter distance rules and stuff so that to me as a Maori person I see that that is not us being able to exercise our rights to self-determination and we have a Treaty of Waitangi, which clearly sets out those rights that are inherent. Like, we, we're born with them. So on issues like that, I see that potentially my my Prime Minister could be a bit more vocal about because we, are, we, we do live in a very progressive government and I think we have a vehicle and, as a tool to be leaders to the rest of the world, to other states. But I still feel that my Prime Minister is very quiet on those issues and that's very upsetting mm-hmm. and I think um, another point that I wanted to raise like especially talking about um, 
the different tribes and nations that are closing off their borders, a lot of the rural communities and different iwi and hapu throughout New Zealand took on initiatives from the beginning. Like we were asking for, you know, testing kits and things like that, but it was really, really slow on the uptake. And people were kind of in society were looking at us like, oh, like again, it's just like they're just being dramatic and things like that. But I think the actions of our people have been very strong and have kind of stopped the spread going as far as it has. But again, um, you know, that goes back to to us practicing our self-determination. And I think um, at the moment we have certain iwi around the country and hapu have, who've got these stops in check and the police have been really relaxed about it, right? So right now you're kind of looking at we're both on the same level, like the state and, and some of our tribes and our iwi. But what happens when the state starts to lift those sanctions and wants things to, you know, progress forward but what if we don't want to do that you know those are going to be issues and things that we're going to have to navigate through because again if they don't allow us to manage our lands how we want to that's not them letting us exercise our self-determination so I have real big um you know it's the state versus us so I don't know thoughts around that and um sorry I'm just looking I wrote some things yeah I think it's all about political will here so it's and I, I think about these things a lot. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, I'll, I'll, um, can I backtrack you a little bit? Because um, I don't. Can you explain um, the Treaty of Waitangi for people that do not know what that particularly entails? So our Treaty of Waitangi was a document that was signed by some chiefs um, around New Zealand. There was there was an English version called Treaty of Waitangi, and then there's Tiriti or Waitangi. And in Tiriti or Waitangi, those are the rules that were given. Well, they weren't given to us. We already had these rules. But essentially, in Article 2 of the treaty, there is rangatiratanga, right? And rangatiratanga can't be, like, properly, um, what is it, transcribed? No, translated into English. But it's kind of like sovereignty. And um, for us, we never... We never gave that away. It was, you can come here to govern your people, but we keep that right to Aoranga Tiratanga. And the Crown were our treaty partners, so our rights were already set out. And I, there, there are other articles, but that right to self-determine was always there, like they were already pre-existing. So now as we move through this process, a lot of iwi, a lot of hapu throughout New Zealand, again, are asking the government to honour those rights and that's why while I was bringing it up before when we look at post-COVID responses I think our example here in Aotearoa is we're using all of our mechanisms across the board so whether people are in education, the justice system, health, you name it we're advocating and holding our government to account that you need to include us like through consultation and make sure that we are the centre stage when any type of decision is made so that's why when we're looking at post-COVID responses, we, I think, have a lot that other people from around the world can learn from us. So this is, I guess, the issues that we face aren't new, but it, now it's just going to be heightened. So for us, our action and our tool is to hold the government accountant up and make sure they honour the rights that are set out in Tiriti or Waitangi. That's as simple as I can say it. No. I appreciate it. I think I think it's very good for people to, to like put that 
put uh, the 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 Maori kids in the context of the Tiriti or Waitangi, uh, so that they know what what it actually is. Um, so, so thank you so much for explaining that. Um, so a, a question that I have for 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 every one of you is is that so like segueing into like more into deeper discussions on like on um, what what term uh, wanted to talk about and kind of as well. Um, so what did you think about uh, the yeah the the responses of the, the UN? So uh, I've seen some statements uh, that have been um, drafted by the MREP. Um, uh, I think the Purim Forum has made a dedicated page uh, and and compiled everything that is indigenous related. Um, any first thoughts on the 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 responses of the UN in terms of maintaining um, and trying to maintain maintain that that level high level of of human rights. Who are you addressing? Any one of you. <laughs> okay, I haven't really read all all those uh, all those. Um, uh, statements uh, that I, I guess are on the UN uh, um, uh, site, and uh, but I can guess what they say, and um, the I think you know the world pandemic is uh, is something so unusual, uh, something that um, you know, we're, we're not we're not used to at least at this at this level. We've had you know, you know Ebola, and we've had others that were more, sometimes a bit more regional than than, than, than global, and and so I think the uh, the uh, world um, Organization uh, is 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 really reeling from uh, 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 from this uh, uh, pandemic. I think I feel, I get the feeling that you know that the, the United Nations is really a hamstrung uh, because it's supposed to be a participatory uh, instrument where people uh, gather, uh, states and P, uh, other others can gather and 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 debate and and, and work on on issues and, and develop international standards, etc. And uh, but now that can't happen, you know. When people can't gather, uh, a large organization like 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 the United Nations really really seems to be uh, uh, crippled. The statements that that are that that, that were, were put out, I'm sure, are are uh, are are encouraging and and encouraging people to um, you know to take precautions uh, 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 for the uh, uh, to make sure they don't get they don't spread uh, the. Um, uh, uh, the COVID nineteen and that everybody stays healthy, and also at the same time uh, that the human rights of indigenous peoples uh, also are, are are protected and not eroded, and not, uh, and that the this pandemic is not used as an excuse by states to undermine the rights of uh, peoples, not just indigenous peoples but all peoples, and you can see some of the um, you can see that in some countries uh, where um, you know, you know, I guess uh, some states are a little bit, a little bit more aggressive than, than others in, in trying to, uh, uh, you know, restrict uh, our people's rights in a sense that, uh, it's understandable that some rate, some rights have to be restricted at this time. Uh, however, uh, some of the, you know, the concern is that states, the, the powers that the states are, are, uh, are enforcing now, uh, will not expire when the, when, when the, when the pandemic is over, you know, and, and those uh, those uh, extra powers that states have have given themselves will um, you know, will be applied uh, on into the future, and that's a danger for all people, including indigenous peoples. Uh, like I said earlier, the the whole idea of uh, you know, this whole idea that extractive industries pipelines can continue continue 
to be uh, construction, have construction, uh, ignoring the uh, the social distancing uh, regulations that the rest of us have to uh, have to follow. Yet the, these these uh, these these companies can continue to exploit indigenous lands uh, without without restraint, uh, with with less restraints uh, uh, now that indigenous peoples are are are, are practicing uh, uh, social distancing. So we are. Um, we, we get, we're at a, at a disadvantage. So as, as a world uh, organization, I think they have to uh, do their job and their, their due diligence to make sure that the extractive industries are not violating the rights of indigenous peoples, either their land rights or their right to self-determination. And, and they have to be vigilant. And I don't know how they can do that. I, I really don't know. But, they, um, but, but I think the, the agencies and, and, and the, the UN has to do something to make sure that our, our rights are not are not permanently eroded or even temporarily eroded. And how are they going to do it now? And and whether they can follow through on it later, when when uh, when the UN gets to be more active again, um, is, is a is a question. And I think it's up to us to make sure that we hold the United Nations feet to the fire to make sure that that uh, uh, the rights of Indigenous peoples are are are, are going to be reinforced when all this is over. Appreciate it. Um, do you um, do you know whether the Indian peoples, as in, and I'm not talking about the Indian's mandates like the MRIP or the Permanent Forum or the Special Rapporteur, but Indian peoples, as in the movement or organization? I lost you. Gazali, <laughs> uh, I can't hear you. Now it should be it should be fine, and um, maybe it's better that way because that was a stupid question <laughs> that, was, that I was about to ask. Well, you sounded so, great. <laughs> um. Uh. So, and now, trying to get that stupid question out of my head. And oh yeah, charm. Take it away. Like, um, uh, what do you want to uh, talk about? I think one thing that I guess I've been thinking a lot is all of these different UN bodies and lots of other bodies, because there's many different acronyms that I'm still learning, um, is the issue of balancing our rights against everybody else. Um, because, you know, as more things arise with COVID at an international... Did I change? No, there we go. Um, I think we're going to have to be very mindful of our rights going to get pushed down against other rights. So I don't know. I'm just thinking of, I, I think what I'm trying to say is like having equity within all of this, because once everybody else starts to come to the UN and talk about the different things that are affecting them, where are we going to be placed in all of this? And what are all of these bodies going to do to, you know, uphold their obligations to us? So yeah, I guess that's as far as I can take that, that point. Um, I think it's just something to be mindful about. And I guess it's utilising all of the people, like the Indigenous people and our allies that we have in all of these organisations. That's why this time is really important that we continue to, I think it was yesterday on the call, somebody was talking about the, you know, doing all these Zoom calls and stuff like that. Now we need to be mobilising within those organisations to make sure that our priorities are at the front. I'm not saying that other rights aren't important, but again, just because, just like in our own national states, our voices might get lost with lots to come afterwards. So I think 
um, using this time wisely. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Right. Um, one thought that, that went through my mind when you were um, talking just now, Charm, was what you see, and this, I'm, I, um, the last couple of weeks, I've been reading up on a lot of uh, papers and statements and webinars that people are organizing, which are mostly about like tips for uh, making uh, self-quarantine indigenous um, or um, how these people are at risk, but there's no guidance on how to respect in these peoples whilst uh, imposing this lockdown, whilst in, in quarantine. And I think having, having, having seen that, having read those, all those documents, also the, the conversation that, 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 that we had yesterday, for example, that then we should be using, making use of platforms like these and uh, uh, like Zoom and everything else to, to start talking about like how, um, yeah, like the indigenous rights dimension of things. Like we always look at the human rights dimension of things. Um, not we, but like, for example, the UN, um, the, the High Commission for Human Rights. She did a, she did a, um, a, a, uh, a, a conference call and there was some, a statement was, was put out and these people's rights were mentioned, but it was a very abstract mentioning reference to the rights of these peoples or in peoples, not even the rights of these peoples. And to me, um, one, one thought that, that went through my mind was like, that is something that we as an age people should be uh, advocating for. So not just a human rights, making sure that the human rights dimension is protected in, in the, in the COVID-19 response by states, uh, but also the, the indigenous rights uh, uh, dimension of things. Um, so yeah, th those are quickly my thoughts. Is that a little bit in line in what, what, what you said, Choram, or um, are you taking me to town for, for that? Like, No, 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 I, I definitely agree with that. And, um, and I think this is just me thinking, like, as, as you know, totally might be a bit off topic. I, but I've I'm, been doing that the whole time, sorry. <laughs> no, I think of all of the past work that has been paved by all of the brothers and sisters in the world who've got us to this point at the UN. And I think of our ancestors who have, you know, fought many battles on their own land. And I think now, um, I don't have all the answers or the ideas, but I'm thinking coming out of COVID, this is going to be a different world that we're all going to be living in. I think that this time period has made people globally think about, um, what it is, what's their purpose, and what's their why of being in this world. And I think, um, obviously, a lot of our international events that we would all go to, so like the Permanent Forum right now, I think we have to start thinking about how can we use these tools differently now, you know? Um, we need to be thinking about more, I'm not saying more innovative ways, but how can we do things differently to make a strong impact? Like a lot of our like youth around the world who are Indigenous they're doing a lot of cool things, and I think we just need to think about how to do things differently. I, that doesn't sound very good, but I'm just trying to say that it's like a it's a time for refreshment. And if you look at our Earth, um, you know, 
we call the earth Papatua Nuku here in New Zealand and like many other indigenous people around the world like I think that this situation is a when I say this um, it's like a gift that mother nature has given us to give us the tools to recoup and really drive that torch to I think make things better and stronger for our people I realize I just went off into a rant but that's what I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, tea time, you know, so you can just say whatever you want and however you want it. Um, Hokabet, any any thoughts on on this or anything else that you, you wanted to talk about? Yes, thank you. I think about how, like the, like, Panamanian government, uh, in Panama, when the pandemic is beginning, uh, we don't have really a specific plan for indigenous communities. Uh, because when we, when they explain about what's mean pandemic, uh, what's mean COVID-19, just they speak in the Spanish language. And then the majority is our people, elders, they, they are not speak Spanish, they speak, we speak our own language. I think that's very important to for the government, Panamanian government, to work together with indigenous community, with indigenous nation, and how understand better what mean pandemic, what mean a COVID nineteen, uh, how we can to be together to strong, and that happened because our countries in the majority of in Latin America we don't have a, a pluripolitical. We are only, um, I don't know how do you say when it's monolithic, no monolithic, it's uh, only one kind of government with the other nation inside to the states. Uh, I don't know how you, how do you call that? But the, uh, the crisis, uh, the, 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 world, the, world, the crisis around the world is only, we can see what happened really inside our communities. Because when we want to, work together with other nations inside to this nation. We understand uh, we don't have a political, pluripolitical uh, uh, proposals for our people. Uh, in, in, for another way, we need to strong better our uh, social, uh, political, like indigenous people, how we can work together, not only like my people, like Kuna people, how we can work together like indigenous people in Panama and like indigenous people around the world. Uh, I think it's, it's very important to understand the language and dynamic uh, down to the language. Because it's not because you speak one language, it's how you can explain this language in the heart of the language, you know. I don't only speak about, is you understand my language. I speak about our worldview, uh, how, well, how, we, how we feel and how we understand better the realities in our context. Uh, uh, the Panamanian indigenous uh, moving at the city, we have a lot of struggles because we are outside to the territories. Uh, but we are outside, no, we, we are outside because we came, uh, we came to, uh, to the city to look job or to study. And then now the reality is for indigenous Kona people, we live around 20 people in one house. And that's normal for all because we are very communities. Mm. Uh, but when in this kind of crisis, when we need to separate, how, how you call distance, social distance, we have social distance. 
and you say, I want brother and sister, you need to have a social distance. We don't understand what's mean a social distance because we never do that before. And another way, if we have a small houses and you say you need to stay two meters, two meters maybe is outside to the house. <laughs> That's a, a, a really problematic for us. Uh, and I think that thing we need to, to think in more. And, and for me, the other proposal for my people, we are working very hard about that is to have a sovereign, um, food sovereign. How do you say that? Food sovereign? Yes. yes. Be because now we understand uh, maybe we have money, but it's the supermarket or the economic crisis for the capitalism and neoliberalism is down. Uh, the indigenous people, when we understand better our relation with the air and we plant in, we understand better how we can uh, renew with Mother Earth and how the Mother Earth, uh, what the Mother Earth tell, tell us in this moment. We need to hear very, very carefully what the Mother Earth uh, telling us in this kind of uh, situation. But we need to have a, a, a deep relation with the Mother Earth and we need to work together with the air about the sovereign uh, food. Uh, I, I think it's, it's very important to have intercultural uh, uh, ways about uh, medicine. Our people has a medicine from uh, ancestral medicine, but uh, the Jones people, some of Jones people in Kuna people uh, study medicine. And now we can have intercultural uh, uh, we can talk together what we are going to do in this moment. But if we are working separate, is I am professional from Western professional and I am professional for Kuna Sai, uh, uh, and we cannot, uh, we not uh, put together our knowledge, uh, maybe we are going to be a struggle. But I think we need to, uh, to work in together and to understand better how we are going to do, not for this moment, for the the life I, I, I don't know is I try to explain uh, I don't have a, a Spanish Google Translate <laughs> for for you now <laughs> thank you okay, can well, I ask a question can, yeah. I ask our, uh, how how are our Kuna brothers and sisters doing are are there is, is are there many infections or what what's the situation the okay. health situation of the yeah. Kuna we have two situations. In our territory, it's, it's, we have around 80, no, 80, no, one eight uh, people have COVID. It's not a lot. In the outside to Kuna territory, uh, our people live in Kuna communities at the city. It's a Kuna communities at the city. We have many, our brothers and sisters infection. But that happened because in the city, we have many infections that, that the other territories. But the other way, because in the city, we live in small houses together and in Kuna communities, the infection is running very fast. Uh, that is the situation, but uh, uh, we, we that, well, that's the answer. I don't know is, Kenneth, did you, did you understand what I am trying to say? Well, that, no, that, that's uh, that's fine. I, I I totally I totally understand. I, I've been to Kunayala oh, yeah. uh, twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, I was there, and it was a very very. It's a beautiful beautiful place. It's like um, Hawaii without the commercialism, you know. 
It's, uh, it's very beautiful. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> everybody, everybody still healthy in uh, um, in uh, Mohawk ter territory in uh, Haudenosaunee, Kenneth? Where's my microphone? There it is. Okay. Um, well, you know, there are there are a number of uh, Haudenosaunee com communities, uh, both in Canada and the United States. Uh, here in, in, in my community, uh, um, we, we, you know, we were very independent here. We, we assert our, uh, our jurisdiction here. Uh, we have our own uh, uh, task force, uh, COVID-19 task force, and, and we decided uh, when to close our schools, when to close the businesses, you know, and we, uh, you know, we, as much as possible, we, uh, you know, we, we practice uh, social uh, distancing and, and, and insisting that people who have left who come back from New York, for instance, have to um, self-quarantine, et cetera. So we have a, a very effective um, uh, 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 organization here, you know, and, and the community uh, is very, very much, uh, you know, participate and, and, uh, and respecting it. Although, of course, like in any community, we have some people who think that the rules don't apply to them. However, uh, we, we understand uh, we have our own hospital here. Uh, we have nobody in the hospital has COVID-19. Uh, we have tested uh, only 135 people, and out of the 135, 12 have uh, have been. Uh, uh, we know that we're infected, and some of those have already, um, uh, you know, been cured already, have, have recovered. So we haven't. We don't have anybody uh, in, in, in serious um, uh, health uh, condition. So we're um, in my community. We uh, I think we're doing we're doing very very well. My, myself and my wife were. We're not allowed out of the house. Our children make make do all our shopping for us, and so we uh, we, we we stay home. <laughs> the um, uh, other communities, Agusasne, uh, which is on both sides of the border, they, they they're in a, in, a, in a similar situation. And we can't even go visit each other. <laughs> we can't even go visit e each other's uh, uh, community. Uh, Six Nations uh, is a very big uh, community, about twenty thousand. Uh, people there, and uh, they they have a number of uh, of uh, people who are who are ill, and uh, and but they also, they uh, they've closed up the access roads to their to their community to try to again to prevent outsiders from 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 coming in, and uh, I I, I don't know the numbers the figures are, are over there, but they they have a number of uh, people that that are that have been in, infected. I don't know if anybody has uh, has died there. I'm not. I I can't say for sure. So we're um. We um, we try to assert our own jurisdiction and our own way of doing things. Or you know, a lot of people, our medicine people, of course, are are encouraging us how, how to uh, use our, our traditional medicines to strengthen our uh, our um, you know our immune systems. And we don't have a medicine to fight the COVID nineteen, but we do have medicines to strengthen ourselves. And and people are are using that, and we encourage other people to use our traditional medicines. So I, I think, in um, in a nutshell, I think that's the, uh, the the situation we we find ourselves over here. Hmm. Oh, I appreciate it, uh, Kenneth. I have one comment though that just came in from uh, from Hawaii. Uh, after your after your comment of um, about Hawaii, it's from Josh Josh Cooper. You can see it. Like <laughs> so, it uh, depends on the islands. That's that's what he says. Well, like um, well, right right now we're all islands. <laughs> every every community. I've been saying that Ganawage, my community is an island, right now. You know, and uh, surrounded by we, there are three and a half million 
non-indigenous people in our area <laughs> outside you know uh, the city of montreal is uh, very close to us so so uh, we, we feel like so, that, that we're an island uh, surrounded by by non-indigenous people and i think we all we all many of us feel that way yeah um so also something that that was like before everyone uh, canada for example went into lockdown like we had the whole situation at the Wet'suwet'en uh, uh, nation uh, area and like there was a lot of solidarity with, uh, from the First Nations in 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 um, in, in Canada. Um, knowing that everyone is in the locked uh, has to be in their own bubble like how is uh, you know I'm basically asking well, how does it how is the situation right now? Are we talking about uh, uh, Wet'suwet'en? Yeah, because um, well, my understanding is is the um, the the situation. Like I said earlier, uh, the uh, the pipelines are still being pushed through the Wet'suwet'en territory. The construction continues, which has got the people very upset. Uh, the man camps are, are still still exist, um, and uh, and uh, they don't seem to be too concerned about the COVID nineteen, and they uh, they're they're continuing their their uh, 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 their construction. And the indigenous people can't, uh, uh, well, they can't gather and protest because of of the uh, uh, of, of social distancing, and also uh, they can get arrested. They'll be arrested if they uh, uh, if they try to protest to to stop the pipeline. The um, I, we understand that there is a uh, memorandum of understand a draft memorandum of understanding between the Kenyan government and the. And the, the Wet'suwet'en chiefs, and uh, there are, uh, and there's a, I think they're, you know, they've gone through a process among the Wet'suwet'en to approve that, um, that uh, MOU, but I don't know how, where they are in their, in, in their process uh, at this time. All I know is that they, they're quite upset that the construction is, is continuing unabated. Uh, they felt, they felt that that's a danger to the health of everybody, uh, that, that the, uh, the workers are still continuing to uh, to operate. No, th thanks for update, uh, Kenneth. Because um, I think I think most of the people in the most of these people were very aware of what, what was going on uh, over there. And um, yeah, I think all our like yeah, all our uh, we send a lot of positive vibes and support to the and good thoughts to the to the people that were, that that are there. And hopefully that. Uh, yeah, that once we get out of all this, that we can continue to show our support. There is a question that has been uh, that is that's coming in over over the um, over the comment section, and I would like all three of you um, to yeah share your thoughts on that. And so basically, the question is: it is it something that we should be looking at uh, to share our um, traditional knowledge on treating COVID nineteen? I know it's not necessarily like human rights or indigenous rights. Or it's I, 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 traditional knowledge is is held by those of tradition. I think it's up to it's up to the people themselves to decide how they uh, how they use their medicines and how they use their teachings. It's it's not for the Mohawks can't can't tell the Kuna how to use their medicine or or, or the Maori. I think it's everybody else's decision on how they want to use and 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 share that and, and share that knowledge. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think 
exactly what Kenneth said. Um, it's not up for us to decide what other, how other Indigenous people want to use their traditional knowledge, but I think if there are situations where different communities are offering to help treat people with their medicines or whatever it is, I don't pretend I know anything about those kinds of things. Like rungo and Māori um, is a lot to do with like health things in New Zealand with like people who practice it. And I think it's purely up to the individual. But then again, it also, it's like if we're going to be giving that knowledge out, you know, there are people that will take that in abuse that knowledge and make it their own so I think those are definitely balances that you have to weigh up but especially moving forward into the future I think with a lot of the stuff that here in New Zealand that we already have going on um, with our practitioners who are who do a lot of things with Rungoa Māori like this might be a time to help within the economy but again that's the question that's going to have to be had in each different, like Rohe, like Rohe is like an area in New Zealand, so it's not going to be the same for every single um, Māori person or the same for any other Indigenous person. Yeah. Um, bit any thoughts? Uh, well, uh, I, I need to see this. I understand really good the question. is about we are sharing the traditional knowledge or if we want or we can. I, I think the I think the question is is um, whether in these peoples like for example if if uh, the Kuna have a um, and I'm just assuming right I don't I don't know uh, what you actually what you really meant with the question but like assuming reading the question I assume that is like if the Kuna have a treatment for COVID nineteen should they be sharing it to with the uh, with the Maori uh, people or the Sami in in in, uh, mm. in okay. Scandinavia. Yeah, I think uh, uh, we have a prevention uh, medicine for COVID. Uh, we are drinking uh, in a guided. This is a, a very traditional drink, very ancestral. And we come sharing with other indigenous people because it's not only sharing, it's understand what happened in the ritual, what happened in the in the old body, what happened in spiritual worldview. Uh, I, I, when we understand the other indigenous people, is they understand because we are in the same way, we can share with them. The 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 issues or the problem is when we, when the people don't doesn't understand what happened with the medicine, what happened with the plants, what happened with the song, what happened in the ceremonies, not only with drinking this kind of medicine, it's all rituals. It's very important to understand the importance of this kind of medicine, the importance to relation with the, the plants, the important to relation with the elders, the important relation with the Baba Nana, the creators, the important relation all everyone. And I think my people sharing with other indigenous people because we understand very, very deep this kind of relation. relation. Mm -hmm. The question is yes, <laughs> is, uh, we can share with other indigenous community because we are, we have many, many kinds of medicine. But the other thing, we have medicine in our geographical territories because it's very important 
what we have in our environment. That's the environment, what we have in our territories, what we have with what the Mother Earth gives us for to heal in our bodies. Mm -hmm. No, thank you so much. Charm, go ahead. I've just been thinking about the, the concept of traditional knowledge and taking it away from like a like a medical kind of aspect. Um, a lot of the things that we've been doing in like Aotearoa are like forms of our tikanga, which are like how we govern ourselves. And so I guess even that's a form of us practicing our traditional knowledge because that's how we're continuing to keep our communities safe by putting in place the lahui and other forms like that. And I think it's really um, interesting. I think uh, when we're looking at it from this perspective, I think states and other non-Indigenous people actually have a lot to learn. But I think whether we share that again is up to Indigenous people themselves, but I think others can learn a lot from us and especially how you know we're in tune with our environment and we know how to look after our environment and therefore that's kind of you know replicated in how we do things um yeah that's something that i'd like to talk about more in the future that's yeah that's really interesting yeah yeah um i think i think i think like if, if you um, I think that particular question has, has several layers of it. And, and I think the if you like strip down the whole question um, and like refer back to or like link it to the conversation that we're having, like how can we empower one another to use uh, traditional knowledge or, or the knowledge, our own knowledge um, to fight uh, COVID-19? I don't, I don't like to use the word traditional knowledge, by the way, uh, mostly because it is a concept that is not us. Um, I, yeah, so maybe a quick sidestep. Um, is traditional knowledge the right way to describe our, our breadth of knowledge? I'm going to jump in there. I think it's going to, every different culture throughout the world has their own way of expressing that. I don't necessarily think that's the right way to say it, like you were just saying yourself, but I think it comes from like in here and it's what you feel and what it is that your people have done for centuries. Um, it's your way of being, it's your way of doing things. I don't think any kind of other term could quite encapsulate that. So like, again, I can only speak of me being a Māori, but that's tikanga. So whatever it is for anybody else is gonna be different, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to, um particularly in, in English language, some of the concepts that are, you know, in, in an indigenous uh, culture. But uh, the, traditional knowledge is a, is a term that's, you know, used a lot, I guess, internationally. And, it, and it's a better term than folklore uh, <laughs> yeah. because that's what the United Nations has been using. Like yeah. in, uh, um, UNESCO was using folklore, all right? And, and that sound, uh, and at least traditional knowledge in, in climate change, uh, they, they recognize that traditional knowledge is science. And, and I think that's important, you know, and that raises the, uh, the um, I guess, the, the value of traditional knowledge when, when the United Nations recognizes that, uh, that as a science. Yeah. So um, I think traditional knowledge is, uh, is a word that, uh, that has a lot of value and, uh, and is useful. I, unless somebody can come up with a better word, uh, I, that can be universally be applied. I, you know, traditional knowledge seems to to fit at, at this time. 
Where, um, where did that word come from, by the way? Is that something that we introduced as a, as a movement or is it something that the UN came up with? Um, I can't answer that question. I don't well, know. Well, get the knowledge to know. Like, no, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think official knowledge, came, I think, came out of the WIPO process, uh, uh, mostly the uh, intellectual property organization process. I think that's maybe where it came from. But it could have come from our, our own people. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if it came out of our own people when we were drafting the, uh, the, the, first, the first draft of the, uh, of the declaration in the 1980s. Hmm. Okay. Because uh, traditional knowledge is in, is in the declaration and it's been there since the beginning. Oh. And, uh, right. and so that's, that term has been there for, for, for you're looking at uh, how many now? Uh, 30, uh, 35 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I like to use and hook a bit, um, what do you think about it? I like to use the knowledge of knowledge of Indian peoples. Um, is that something that is good uh, or should I uppercut myself? Um, could you repeat the question again? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, uppercut thing. <laughs> what, uh, with a lot of people. Um, so because uh, we're, we're talking a little bit about traditional knowledge now. Um, that is a concept that right now is being used um, throughout the UN, uh, which is now also in the Declaration on the Rights of Indian Peoples to, to capture the breadth of knowledge that we have. Um, um, so, but in my view, it is, and Charm and what Kenneth said, it does not necessarily cover um, what it means, like according to us. So um, what I use, um, at least um, in my conversations with, with state representatives and negotiators and everything else, is that I like to use uh, knowledge of indigenous peoples. So my question is like, uh, is that better to you and everybody else, of course, is that better, um, at least in terms of conversation and describing uh, knowledge of uh, our knowledge? Or sh should I just, shut up and stay with traditional <laughs> traditional knowledge if you're asking me that question then, then uh you know, knowledge of indigenous peoples is fine uh mm. i i think uh, adjectives <laughs> you add adjectives in front of the word like uh traditional knowledge you know you, it, it, it could be interpreted differently uh just like indigenous rights are could be interpreted differently from human rights you know when you when you add words in front of something, we add adjectives. It it can take on a different meaning. I always um, uh, like I always have uh, issues with the term indigenous peoples in, in the sense that yes, uh, we're, we're different, but we're, we're first and foremost we're peoples, period, who, who happen to be indigenous. You know? and, uh, and and it's important to say things that way every now and again to make sure that. We understand that as people, we are we are peoples, just like equal to all other peoples. And that what the difference between us and others is that we we happen to be indigenous, you know, the first peoples of the of, of, of the of the land, you know. So we're not uh, peoples because we're indigenous, you know. We're, we're we're peoples, period, who happen to be indigenous. Wow, I never thought about it that way. It's like okay. a, it's like a, it's like a thought. Hook a bit. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I agree with uh, Kenneth about uh, 
the word in English or Spanish is not really very near from our words in our own language. And that happens when we have to translate to Franco language. Uh, we lose, lose a lot about what's the meaning as about our medicine, our rituals, our dance, because it's not uh, sometimes traditional knowledge is when we understand that in our people, uh, it's on homogenization, our, our, I don't know how you say another word in English, <laughs> we homogenization our knowledge. <laughs> it's like uh, our own knowledge is the same. Uh, but we we know uh, our knowledge is not only one knowledge, it's several knowledge about several topics. And sometimes we know some knowledge and our elders know more knowledge, more more uh, other things about this kind of knowledge. We have uh, uh, in, our, in our nation, we have uh, several people to know different things like singers, like medicines, like plants, like around about the the, the land, uh, uh, other things. For that reason, I think we need to problematize the world, this world, because it's very important. What's meaning for us, really? What's meaning traditional knowledge? Is meaning medicine? Is meaning ritual? Is meaning sing? Is meaning what? Uh, and another thing uh, I think is we need to understand better uh, what our people understand for knowledge. Because uh, uh, for Western culture, they separate knowledge for, uh, I don't know, in, in Spanish it's like a saberes y conocimientos. I don't know how do you say this in English, but it's different. And for when you read papers about that, you just do, uh, no, no, you, but the, the, the people when read this paper, they, they, they think this is better than the other because it's different words. But I think uh, it's very important to have this kind of problematization, this kind of work for with our people, with our elder, with our ancestor, with our uh, people, because maybe it's not, uh, tr the transmission to this world is not really what we want to say in our deep, in our language. Uh, another way I think is very important to understand uh, the etymological of our language, what's meaning uh, a lot of our words. I, I think the question is, is very important. I don't have a, a, a answer for that, but I think we need to continue to talk about that because we need to think about what is the meaning about that and how did we use that, uh, what the other people understand when we do this word and what our people understand when we are use this word because in my community we never use that traditional knowledge <laughs> we, we mm. don't use this word and we this word is used more in in a political conversations but we, our people the name for our tra, uh, ritual our medicine our singer with these own names and this meaning a lot <laughs> no thank you uh charm go ahead so I've just been like uh, listening to everybody's conversations around traditional knowledge and I guess with all of the themes over the last couple of weeks that, you know, all of us have each had with one another, potentially 
maybe this is something that we need to think about like like I don't know if you'd call it a strategy or some kind of way that in these upcoming conferences that well, I don't know if they'll be this year at the end of the year or early next year potentially mm-hmm. um when it comes to post-COVID responses, maybe we need to all sit down together and I don't know how to do all of this. This is, again, just ideas. Potentially we need to come together and think about how each one of our own traditional knowledge, I'm going to use those two words, (laughs) how we can apply that in a post-COVID context and how that could apply to other IP people around the world and could help, I guess, shape I don't these things. I think I totally just went off tangent again, but I was thinking how can we have these discussions and turn it into something that's going to be workable that all of us could benefit from? Because um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of ideas being thrown around, but I think if we're you know together in those kinds of spaces, it gives us an opportunity to mobilise. Because, again, like we already know what the UN is like, and I think many of us use it as a tool. Like the brother Brandon the other day was talking about, you know, we go to the UN and we use it as a platform. So I think potentially we could use this COVID situation as another way to talk about our traditional knowledge, but how, and obviously we'd have to go through consultation where we're all we're all from with our people, but to talk about how that traditional knowledge can actually help our people, but also probably benefit a lot of the rebuilding of certain things in society after this. Because the reality is, is after this is the, I guess, quieten down a bit it's still going to be affecting us so I'm I'm just constantly thinking of how can we make action out of this and utilizing these different events for different things you know yeah mm-hmm. oh, thank you I appreciate it charm and while you're saying that and also talk about like post-crisis um let me ask let's sorry Kenneth I'm going back to you again um if I'm segueing to like the post-crisis things and th- thinking about like um, the government's responses to COVID-19 and like and how their responses can uh, respect the rights of Indian peoples, um, my question is like, um, do Indian peoples? Do you know that of Indian peoples, uh, for example, in Canada, um, or First Nations that or Métis or uh, Inuit that uh, communicate with the government? in terms of like how they should respect the rights of these peoples? Is there like a conversation? Is there a document or is there a checklist that, that has been given? Something along those lines? Well, in Canada, uh, you know, the relationships with Canada and Indigenous people, you know, is complicated. But, uh, you know, there are, in the current government, you know, there are, you know many avenues to 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 talk to to the government about in, about indigenous uh, peoples about indigenous rights. Uh, the 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 current prime minister has said that uh, he the the relationship with indigenous people is the is the most important relationship that Canada has to uh, has to deal with. Uh, and uh, of course, there are a lot of nice words in that, but in reality, though the the we are you know we're still fighting a tremendous uh, uh, legacy of colonialism. In Canada and and assimilationist uh, policies, and uh, so um, there is um, uh, open dialogue, I would say, with 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 the government. However, there's very very deep deep uh, suspicion, uh, on up from uh, coming from our side, 
about the eventual uh, goal of the Kenyan government, which we we believe is to the, the assimilation of indigenous people, the eventual disappearance of, of indigenous people in the long term. You know, and uh, so we're very cautious and and and, and we're we're, we're um, tepid about, I guess, about the discussions because um, we, you know, it, it's you know we have our own policy analysts and. And, uh, and and if you look at the it's you look at the fine print, which you really really have to do when you're dealing with any government, you got to look at the fine print and see where where this is all headed in a hundred years from now. Where are we going to be in a hundred years from now? Not just five years or ten years, but a hundred years from now. And uh, so we when you look at uh, the policies of the Kenyan government, you you uh, 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 and with that lens, you know the the you can very see that that the government eventually wants to get out of the. Indian business, so, so to speak, and uh, so we're, we're we're cautious with that. But uh, to your question, is is there discussions? Yes, there are discussions, uh, a lot of discussions, and and you can you can discuss as much as you want with the Kenyan government whether you're going to uh, uh, get uh, a good result out of all of that. Though is is still the big question mark, and what 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 will be the out, the outcome at, at at the other end? In my uh, in my estimation, I, I, I I'm not. I'm not pessimistic. I'm realistic, and, and I, I think that uh, we, as because we're a numeric minority, and because of the colonialism, I, I think we're going to be struggling for a long, long, long time. And uh, we have to raise our children to struggle. And that if you stop struggling, then then you then you'll then you'll disappear. Then we'll we won't there won't be Mohawks anymore if Mohawks stop struggling. You know, um, I think if we get too comfortable. I, I think you'll see us uh, fade, uh, fade away and just become Canadians of Mohawk descent. And uh, so um, I, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but uh, no, I, I, I think that we have to, uh, uh, in order to survive, we, we, we will always be struggling. Yeah. Um, I think, like, yes, you answered my question, but I think like the first part of your question was, thing. <clears throat> sorry, I have a cough, but it's no Corona. I'm telling you, it's no Corona. Um, um, what was I trying to say? Yes, like the first part of, your, of, your, of, of, of what you said, and that struck me as that could very well happen, that governments um, are can use the, this global pandemic and lockdown and quarantine as a uh, excuse or a vehicle to uh, loosen the... Um, um, government in the state, yes, state indigenous relationship. Um, I think, I think that, and that's something that we need to be very aware of, of like keep in mind and be very, very vigilant about. And well, that's a statement. Then that should, it should be following with a question. Like, yeah, how, how can we, how can we make sure that, or how can we monitor that? How can we, uh, as, as a movement, as individual, indigenous individuals, how can we, um, yeah, monitor that they're not backtracking um, the government, uh, well, the state indigenous relationship, um, if you can even talk about any relationship, by the way, um, but making sure that we're not, basically what I'm trying to say is that we're not losing whatever we have uh, achieved or what do we have before lockdown and before COVID and that 
that whatever comes out of COVID, you know, that is of after COVID nineteen, that is not, uh, yeah, like way, like four or five steps backwards. Does that make any sense? Sorry, charm. Um, again, I I think going back to the very beginning and what everybody's already touched on, we already have experts in our communities who are tracking all of these things on, on a, across a number of different areas. And I think um, what I'm trying to say is given the technology that we have to be able to connect with one, one another right now, I think it's important that, I don't know if somebody created like a like a database or some type of thing where we can be inputting all of that information on different things that are happening. So like there's like a track record for all of us in our different regions. Um, I think that's really important because whatever happens after this, we can see what it is happening for everybody else. Like I know people put out statements and uh, different agents, UN agencies, whatever you want to call it, they put out statements. But I think us on the ground, we need to be doing that ourselves and um, working regionally together. So reporting on different things and so we can kind of see where everybody's at. I know, I know a lot of us share information between ourselves, but I think maybe a more structured approach needs to happen so we can manage that and use it for something else in the future. And I guess, um, again, people who live in, you know, first, I don't like using that terminology, like first world countries who aren't going to face prosecution and things like that. How can, like, and this goes to everybody watching, um, I know a lot of us work in different government spaces and lots of different areas. So how can we, like to people watching, and who might be afraid to speak out because of things that might happen in their country, how can we use the tools that we have now to speak out and be a, be a voice? Like keeping in mind our own obligations to our own people, but I also think it's important that if we have Indigenous people in all of these other areas that we need to be constantly raising, like, like Indigenous people, you know, like constantly, constantly and constantly because, again, this time is really precious, so we need to, like, utilise it and... I don't, I don't pretend to know that I know how to organise people, but I mean that's something that I would like to see with, um, I guess things that people are tracking. So I'm quite happy to start something. I don't know how to do any of that, but like I'll, I'll take it. Um, mm. I just think it's really important for us to be doing that right now because, again, like I said at the beginning, this mm. is a period of time where other agendas are going to be pushed, and again, it goes back to human rights issues. You know and the rule of law and I'm just scared that we're going to be affected in ways that we probably can't imagine right now so yeah another blur but <laughs> no th thank you so much there's a, a question that just came in um from the current uh, president of the Sami parliament of Finland um so um yeah Thomas Aslak used to ask if uh are there any positive efforts from governments um due to COVID-19, uh, specifically towards IPs. So we're talking about like negative things, but they're like, are, are, do we know of any positive things that uh, have been developing or have developed? Well, if I can answer from, uh, I, I guess there are some, uh, in Canada, I can say that there are, uh, the, the, the Canadian government has, uh, you know, promised millions of dollars to, uh, to help indigenous peoples uh, uh, in vulnerable uh, 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 places, and 
and also, you know, they're to, to help the economy, uh, to get us, uh, you know, uh, help us with, uh, you know, some food sovereignty issues and stuff. So there are, the government in Canada has, uh, has come up with, um, uh, you know, some safety net, I guess, for, for indigenous people. I wouldn't, I don't want to call them advancements or they're certainly not, uh, right oriented, I, 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 I would say, but these are like stopgap measures to, to help the help indigenous people to get back to your, the, to the other question, though, uh, I, I think that indigenous peoples um, have to realize how vulnerable we are uh, to these, to what, to COVID nineteen and others, whatever come after, and it re, you know it reminds us of in, in our case smallpox at a time of European contact and influenza, uh, Spanish flu, etc., and uh, that attack all of humanity, but in in, in particular how how vulnerable we are to, to these things and also uh, how dependent we are on, on outside uh, medicines uh, and help in, uh, in, in, in dealing with these issues, um, you know, talking about also, um, you know, the material, you know, masks and, and, and clothing, et cetera, for our, um, our, our first line workers. So I think that uh, if indigenous people learn anything from this, we have to uh, um, try to be less dependent, on on, uh, on on the government and outside governments as much as possible, right? we can't prevent uh, future pandemics. But what we can do is be better prepared the next for the next pandemic when it comes. That we do have the resources and uh, and sit and things in place that that we can do a better job of protecting our people and, and preventing outside diseases from infecting our our communities. I think if anything, we learn anything uh, from or we, we should relearn. Uh, what we probably uh, learned for in, in the past, in past uh, pandemics, uh, and that we, we shouldn't forget those those lessons, and, uh, and and so that we can be better prepared in the future to be less dependent on uh, on, on 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 the outside on the outside governments uh, in, in these in these kind of uh, in these kind of situations. Thanks, thank you, Kenneth. Hope uh, about you. You move to a different space, so uh, you want to yeah, say something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My battery, battery, it was gone, (laughs) they need to move. Um, Well, uh, the government, uh, well, I think the positive thing the government is doing in my country is they are working together with the uh, Kuna doctors. Uh, uh, They want to understand better what happened in Kunayala because the reality from Kunayala is different for for the other uh, province in Panama, not only because geographical, because we are nation inside to other nation. And then uh, uh, we have now, uh, we are talking about what is going to happen about the prevention What's going to happen about uh, if people has a lot of infection? What we are going to do? But uh, but the thing is, uh, they are working for all country. But I I think this okay. Besides, they are working with our Kuna uh, doctors. We need to improve better our understanding what happened in our nation about the pandemic. Because uh, the I I say early the worldview is very different from the from.
from the uh, Panamanian from the city. Mm. Uh, the other thing uh, I think the government is doing is they provide some food for some persons, but uh, not really for the Kuna people in our islands. Uh, the Kuna government, uh, we, 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 don't, we don't call Kuna government like that, but our Congress, they are working very hard how we can provide food. And then uh, because we have uh, oceans, no ocean, we have sea and lands, uh, we looking the food from the from the land. Uh, I think that is a good question because we need to thinking better what the government doing for us in this kind of uh, crisis. But I think the, the thing they, they are doing is more medical things like uh, provide medicines and and helicopter if someone has very bad, if someone is in a bad situation, they can move these people from the island to the cities or uh, they provide some uh, transportations. Mm. Thank you, thank you so much, Okabet. Uh, um, I'm trying to, because we're coming to the tail end of, of, of this, um, this conversation, I'm trying to encapsulate a little bit and also like see what we can do as, in, in terms of, it is, this is no way conclusion though, but it's to trying to encapsulate the, what we've been ta talking about and how as like we can translate it into actions. Um, I think that's very important. Um, that we're not just talking about narratives and ideas, but like how can we actually put this into something that we can all can, can contribute to? And I think that that Charm already talked about, like we should at least keep track of 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 what governments are doing and 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 positive and or negative when it comes to um, the the, um, the the responses and how it rela relates to the rights of these peoples. And something that that struck struck me was uh, in yesterday's conversation um, was the um, that the ability of the, that we should actually should we maybe should we no sorry rephrase rephrase this is a question uh, is it an idea um, that we as the native peoples as movement or as organizations that we come up with some sort of a checklist, like how can governments respect rights of Indigenous peoples um, uh, during COVID-19 and post-COVID-19, come up with some sort of a checklist and annex that, attach that to a letter to the, because we're talking about High Commission for Human Rights, um, that she already set out some, try to set out some guidelines, some basic, some basic ideas when it comes to respecting human rights in, in COVID-19 um era um that we yeah first of all it shows that we are proactive that that we that that we are not here as like in a bubble and just waiting for the savior to help us but like well right now if ever there's a time it is right now for uh to to respect our, the rights of these peoples in order to be able to survive and like outlining like uh so what I, did i wrote did I write down uh, like recommendations from from Indigenous peoples um, or leaders to how that will be very important, like the recovery efforts from 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 states, you know, and how that can how that should not can but should uh, or must actually uh, include Indigenous peoples and respect the rights of Indigenous peoples. Um, 
so I think think that that is something that went through my mind in terms of like have the conversation conversation that we had, uh, tagging into what 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 Charm said, Kenneth said, and Hokabe said as well. Um, yeah, is that an idea, or again, should I again uppercut myself? Just um, Kenneth is anxious, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'll go first. <laughs> um, rights, human rights, um, the right to life comes to mind at first. And, uh, and as indigenous people in the Americas, we, you know, uh, we were the victims of um, germ warfare with the smallpox, smallpox blankets when when a disease were deliberately, you know, inserted into our communities, uh, when when the, when the settlers realized how dangerous it was, and um, and and they used uh, diseases to to try to uh, uh, as an act of genocide uh, on our people, and those kind of uh, uh, activities are not un unheard of in in modern times, and I don't think that we should uh, assume that. Um, that uh, modern society won't, won't do the same thing. Uh, I, I really, really fear for the indigenous peoples in Brazil, for instance, you know, where we were, uh, you know, as you know, there's a, one uh, uh, Yanomami, I think, boy died. And where did he get that uh, disease from in, in an isolated uh, uh, people? And, you know, and they're saying it's illegal miners and illegal loggers, perhaps. And uh, there is people are very, very capable of deliberately inserting uh, a deadly disease in, in another people and when those people are, when they feel that they're, they're in the way, you know, and that's been our, that's historic. It's, it's, it's been our experience. And, and I think we shouldn't uh, be shy about reminding the United Nations and the uh, High Commissioner of Human Rights that this is a reality for indigenous people who are vulnerable to, to these diseases. Uh, particularly the uh, isolated, uh, very isolated and, and uh, uh, un uncontacted uh, uh, peoples. And I include missionaries in this uh, category as well, who who think, who believe that they're doing the, the work of God. But I just wonder, um, you know, uh, you know, this, the, uh, missionaries can carry diseases just as much as an illegal logger or an illegal miner, a soldier. You know, or 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 anybody, or a businessman, or or anybody else who um, uh, who who feels that they who who might knowingly or unknowingly uh, you know inject uh, uh, diseases into into our indigenous peoples. But in, in terms of human rights, it's the it's the deliberate, in, 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 uh, either by uh, by uh, by deliberate, I mean that they would they on purpose. Uh, 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 Infect indigenous people, and also infect indigenous people by neglect, and uh, and also particularly after uh, a disease is, uh, is is introduced to a people, and to neglect them is is just as much a genocide as as the deliberately killing and shooting them, you know. And uh, so I think that we any uh, um, I, I guess statement or or any kind of uh, policy or or state. Uh, uh, Pronouncement by the uh, by the uh, High Commissioner of Human Rights has to include uh, that the uh, the use of uh, of con contagious diseases condemn the use of contagious diseases to uh, uh, to eliminate indigenous peoples and to commit genocide. I, I think to me that is the the worst that can happen, and I think that it's the, the human 
uh, humans are very, very capable capable of of, uh, of carrying that out. Thanks, Kenneth. Um, Charm. Oh, I thought you wanted to say something. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, uh, Hokabed, uh, you want to? Like... Uh, yes, I, I think uh, we need to continue work in different ways, uh, like uh, uh, to local community, how we can to get a strong our political governments in our local situation like like as indigenous. But in other way, how we can work together with intercultural uh, in not only in the knowledge, in the political and the realities in our context. Because when sometimes we under we hear this word intercultural it's not really what to mean really in the deed what is intercultural to listen and to understand and to know better the other uh, nation uh, i think it's, it's very important to have a specific plan for our people a specific plan to be in uh, its meaning to know what is the care is uh, for our people specific plan to understand better the situation, the worldview, the crisis, but our opportunities to what we can learn for our people and how we can how we can share with the government, with the other other nations. Uh, I think uh, in la, the, the realities about human rights in our Latin American Navia Yala in some countries, it's very struggle about how indigenous people living, uh, not only because they are isolated, it's, it, why they living because the political don't, doesn't recognize really uh, the territories, doesn't recognize really the our our uh, wisdom, doesn't recognize uh, how we can uh, what what we can do in this kind of crisis. I think it's very important to to have a conversation, uh, not, not only like uh, for the crisis. We need to continue to improve and to push uh, to uh, in our government. It's very important to listen uh, and to have a, a, a plan for for together. No, they has a plan for us. No, we we need to construct to building the plan together for whatever things. Uh, in Brazil, in Colombia, in some countries, the genocide is very strong. What happened now with our people? And in some people, some indigenous people, they don't want. Uh, uh, some is we have a, a word in Spanish for that, but I don't know in English about when people, when indigenous people, they don't want a contact with with other people. And some government they, they want to have a contact with them, and I think that we need to uh, to continue to to work together. Like indigenous people has contact with other uh, worldview, but they don't want a contact. What mean that like genocide for for them? Uh, well, finish. Uh, I think uh, is the political 
re reality if we want to understand this better is not only like uh, in political and social. You need to understand. They need to understand better the the medicines, the spirituality, the social issues, and what's mean territory for us. I think that is a a way we can work together to continue to work together because we are fighting in, in this way, but need to be we need to be stronger in that. I don't know is means said what I am doing what I am trying to say. No, I, I totally understood what, what you said. Uh, thank you so much for, for, for that. And I think it resonates with a lot of Indian people's so like what, what you talked about and something that we definitely should have more conversations about and go more in depth. And well, I think we'll definitely go more in depth in, in, into that on the Thursday conversation, by the way. So hook a bed. I don't know what you're doing on Thursday, um, but you should be in that conversation when we talk about like indigenous peoples, uh, how can we deploy our indigenous self-protection mechanisms like food sovereignty, what you talked about and, and other ways. Um, so Charm, I think that's what you wanted to say. I think there was something that was talking about the checklist and everything else. And um, so you, I saw you doing this and this. So like, yeah, sorry. What, was, what was this? No, I definitely agree. I think us to do something at the moment is better than nothing. So if it is a statement or somehow where how that comes together for us outlining, I wouldn't. I don't know if it's a checklist or just ways again that come from us, not the bodies or something like from actually us to talk about ways that these should be upheld. I don't know how that would happen, but. I'm sure there's enough of us throughout <laughs> the globe who could work on something feasible and to get that out soon. Um, yeah, that's basically my thoughts on that. And I just support what's already been said. I can't really say anything else to that. Right. Yeah. I no, appreciate it. Um, any final thoughts or things that you haven't, um, yeah, that, that you want to share, but um, I cut you off or something that came up that you haven't said before? Um, um, I just want to say something. I, I um, Something I, totally off topic. It's on topic. It's about COVID and indigenous people. It might not be about rule of law or, or human rights, but I, 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 I just want to share uh, some terrifying news uh, from my uh, Navajo friends uh, who I got. And uh, she wrote, and uh, it's uh, uh, Janine Ghazali, you know her? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I see. She says, as of this morning, there are over 3,200 people tested in Navajo country, uh, 813 confirmed positive, and 28 confirmed uh, COVID uh, deaths. Projections show that they can expect cases to rise by 160 new cases per day towards the end of the month. There are more suspected deaths, uh, but people are uh, dying in their homes before being tested, and there is no post-mortem tests available. So um, as she said it's very scary in Navajo country. So I just thought I'd share that uh, uh, to you because it was to, and it's the shock value of, of that, that um, how decimated uh, our people can can become uh, if the uh, a disease like this gets uh, gets rooted in, in, in a community and spreads, uh, you know, uh, without without proper health care and uh, without proper support. 
So I just want to ask you to keep the, the Navajo people uh, in your prayers along with your own people when you when the time comes. All right, thank you. 100% Kenneth, and thank you so much for sharing that. Um, thoughts and prayers definitely with the the Navajo people at this point, in, in addition to our own peoples and, and these peoples around the world. Um, Charm, uh, Hokabed, any final thoughts? I guess I just want to say, you know, it is very important for us to stick together during this time. I know that we're all spread throughout the world, but, um, you know, we're in this together. Uh, these are some scary times, and we know, like, historically that our peoples are probably going to be facing the most toughest challenges through this. So I think whatever it is, whatever you're doing, like, you know, we're all together, and just to have that solidarity between all of us and you know there's a reason like these connections that our ancestors have put us here all together to unite and help everybody so i know that times are difficult but just stay strong and um anybody needs to talk well i'm sure you can stalk me on social media so <laughs> yeah thank you appreciate it john thank you yeah. two, two things for me one is I think we need to share more about our experience in this situation in our nations. Uh, and we can to be stronger when we can listen and hear what happened in our nation uh, to pray to creator, but to understand better what happened and how our people is resilient in this kind of situation. The other thing I think is very important to listen our narrative our singers, our our sons, because in our son, in our narrative, we have a lot, uh, uh, we, we can learn a lot about that, how our people resisted many centuries ago, and how we can apply this kind of narrative in this moment. I think it's very important not only to listen, to meditate, to listen, and to make a proposal uh, confront our narrative and uh, our narrative. I know it's different, maybe the situation, but the crisis is crisis, and we can learn a lot about what, how we, how our ancestors working before, and how we can apply this in this moment in our context. Well, thank you, uh, Gasali, for inviting me. <laughs> no, thank you. I should be thanking you, Hokabet, uh, um, Charm, and, and Kenneth for taking the time off. Like I know it's very early over there in Aotearoa. Um, charm. So, um, thank you so much for getting up early, Kenneth. Thank you so much. Can See, I'm, I'm talking way too much again. Um, thank you so much, uh, uh, Kenneth and Hokabeth for um, stepping in at um, at the last minute. And I think it's it's a, it was a very good conversation uh, that we had. Um, with a lot of good input and I, uh, hopefully that you'll stick around for like the next couple of days when we talk about more about environmental impacts and uh like in how can we help each other i should talk faster maybe that's why, why it is um how can we help each other in deploying indigenous uh self-protection mechanism and on friday um, I think we'll also touch upon like the situation that is currently de developing in, in uh, Navajo Nation. Well, how can we help? What can we do actually for them 
and for other names, people that are very much struck with uh, with this virus, I think. Um, like you, like you said, charm, uh, Kenneth and Hokebet. Uh, it is we're all in this in in this together. Um, that that we have to social distance from each other. Like doesn't mean that we have to be not social. Um, we're not. We're. Uh, yeah, we can do a lot using the, these platforms like these and help help one another out. And hopefully, at some point after this, we can we can um, laugh about not not laugh about it, but like um, yeah, meet each other in person and um yeah make jokes and um have a have a have a good feed um again thank you so much for sticking around uh, for, for kenneth charm and hokebe and everyone else that was following me on youtube and, and facebook and dropping comments keep the conversation going uh, tomorrow we'll talk about uh, environmental impacts and as, like like a tip of the um, not a tip of iceberg but like um at least one of the guests is a SEG advocate and new permanent forum member, new member to the permanent forum is a Hindu Umaru Ibrahim. She will be talking, um, one of the guests of, of the conversation tomorrow, tomorrow. So definitely stick around for that and keep the conversation going in, in the, in the comments. Cause that's very important So that like, this is not, I'm not, this not should be a bottleneck, but this should, we should be creating more conversations about this. Anyway, I'm letting you go. Thank you so much everyone and have a good night. Day. So long, everybody. Goodbye, Thank everybody. you, Charon. Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you, Thank right, you Bye. 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 All right. Yeah, that's it, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for watching. And yeah, I, I meant it. Uh, please keep the conversation going and drop your comments and, and talk to people in your community about not just, a, well, of course, play promote this this idea that I had, but also promote the having conversation with people in your community, uh, with, with your friends, allies, indigenous allies, non-indigenous allies, um, that we we need to put the rights of indigenous peoples and indigenous peoples at the, at the forefront and making sure that whenever we, hopefully that when we come out of this, that we're not using any ground, losing any grounds on the, and that we don't, uh, yeah, making sure that we use this time, actually. Um, we're supposed to be at the Prune Forum right now, and everybody is everybody's bummed that we're not at the Prune Forum. Um, but that doesn't mean that we should not reach out to one another and have, yeah, like, and just get your phone and text people or make a phone call. Like, it can mean so much more uh, to everyone, especially in these times when things are very scary for a lot of us, especially our elders and vulnerable people. And yeah, keep keep doing that, and also use these platforms um, uh, to to keep the conversation going, uh, not just during COVID, but also like afterwards when we uh, hopefully continue uh, or, or resume our activities at the UN and or EU or in, anywhere else that we keep using these platforms to make sure that we are effective in, in our advocacy. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And hopefully I'll, I'll catch you up in the next show episode. Uh, no, this is episode. Uh, tomorrow we'll we talk about, today we talked about human rights impacts and rule of law. Tomorrow we'll talk about environmental impacts. So we've seen a lot of things happening right now and we need to talk about it. Um, and how, for example, there's a lot of good things, positive things happening. Um, so how can we make sure that 
whatever is developing po positively, that we can still maintain that post-COVID-19. Anyway, thank you for listening. I hope I was of value to you. Please subscribe. It would mean the world to me if you dropped a comment on my social media. But most of all, and before we run out of music, have a great day. Yeah, that sounded weird.